your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 8. May I also take a moment to wish all our moms in here a happy Mother's Day. Yes, y'all can honor them. I'm also very keenly aware that in this room there are women that long to be mothers. And um, there's great mixture on this day. There's happiness for their mom and void and emptiness. And you don't have to say anything or clap, but I want you to know this. The Lord identifies and walks nearly to the brokenhearted. He walks near to them. And God has a way of not only healing, but compensating. And so I pray today that you also will be encouraged that the Lord has not forgotten you or your plight or your sorrow. And we've confined ourselves at any end of the spectrum, depending on which Sunday we happen to be in the house of God. But God is no respecter of persons or seasons. And God, the righteous judge of the earth, does rightly. And I believe there's encouragement for you today as well. Luke chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. If you're there, say amen. I'll be reading three verses out of the New Living Translation. And soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women he had healed and from whom he had cast out evil spirits. And among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he'd cast out seven demons. Just mark that in your Bible. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. Now, I know what you're thinking. I ain't never been to no church. And on Mother's Day, the man preached about a demon-possessed woman who was healed. <laughs> but as I prayed about this morning's service, uh, I felt the Lord beginning to talk to me, uh, the best I could discern his voice, about this woman. And I think there's a word here for us today. Let me just read something to you and then we'll get into the message. Mary Magdalene is probably most well known for false details and unproven facts in her life. Often she is identified as a former prostitute, but there's nothing in the Bible that says she was such. Other people identify her with the sinful woman that anointed Jesus' feet with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, but there's no scripture to verify that either. At times, Mary Magdalene was confused with Mary of Bethany, Lazarus and Martha's sister. For years, post-resurrection, much history, fictional history if you will, listed things about her speculatively that were accepted as fact later. She was married to Jesus, they say, and had three children by him, which was not the truth. One writer said that she was Gnostic, believing that salvation was obtained through secret knowledge. And her and Jesus didn't get along but Jesus about that issue, but Jesus let her have her own opinion. That falls under the happy wife, happy life category. But she was not a Gnostic either. One says that she was the author of the fourth gospel. And she was the one, the scripture says, was the disciple that Jesus loved. But although these legends about her are not true, she was still a legendary Bible character. She was a lady of great spiritual power. And when you hear the word spiritual power, you often think of supernatural manifestations. Great boldness, authority, results. 
But Mary Magdalene was not known so much for what she did for God, but she was known for what God did for her. She carried in her breast power. No mention in Scripture of a husband. No mention of children. Maybe she was the one that everyone asked all the time, why aren't you married? Or they said to one another, I wonder what's wrong with her that she's not married. Or maybe she was married and her husband was unfaithful. And in that day it was very common for Jews to uh, write bill of divorcement for any reason and just leave their wife. Maybe she lost her children in an accident. We don't know. And there are many women who people have opinions about them based on inadequate mis- or disinformation. And they carry this mist about them, if you will. Mist, misunderstanding. When you look at a Mary Magdalene and you think of these false rumors about prostitution and wickedness, it's easy just to write her off as one of those kind of people. But I want to show you through Scripture that this was a woman of great faith, of great power, of great influence, of great effect. And this is a woman that by the time the end of this sermon, I think you're going to view her in such a different way and maybe open up the door to this idea. There is more to power than volume. There's power to, well, I'll get ahead of myself. There, that's in my sermon. Hold on. Let's pray. I can't wait to deliver this word to you. God, I just blessed you this morning. I thank you for the grace in which we stand. I thank you for the power of your word that sets us free, that opens our eyes, that quickens our spirit. It heals our body. It changes our perspective. There's nothing you can't do through your word. And so your word, O oh Lord, we open our heart as wide as we know how that you might hide it in our heart so that it can close back upon it and bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. Let this word, O oh Lord, challenge us, encourage us, and change us for the glory of your Son. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I told you Mary was not so much known for what she did as what she allowed God to do in her. Mary was powerful, if you're taking notes. Mary was powerful, number one, because she let God see her. She let God see her. Now, in one aspect, God sees all things. He sees through every veneer, every fig leaf apron, every projection, every uh, best foot forward. He sees all those things. But that's no benefit to you that God sees them. Where it benefits you is when you let God see you. When you let God see you up close. When you let God see you personally. When you let him see you without excuse, without veneer. She let God look at her deeply to the depth that she was as she was. And she let God see her thoroughly. Now focus on this one phrase. It says that Mary Magdalene was one of those that followed Jesus. Out of whom Jesus had cast seven demons. Was this at one encounter? Or was this over a period of time when those inroads that demonic powers had in her life were revealed that she let Jesus address them? I don't know. 
But either way, it's very humiliating to stand in front of the one whose eyes were so warm that it would melt hardened people's heart. Children would run and jump in his lap. Demons trembled at the mention of his name. There was great grace and there was great glory. And here she was with her demon-possessed self in front of him. Let me tell you why Mary was, let me tell you why Mary was so powerful. She decided that she would rather be undone in his presence than be fake outside of his presence. She went before him as she was, like she was, where she was, not just with issues. Not just with idiosyncrasies and dysfunctions. And not just with personality quirks. Demon possession. I'm going to tell you why she was powerful. Because she was not so hung up on herself that she would not walk before the Lord honestly. And from the day she met him, there is no record of her trying to hide it. Hollywood tells us that demon possession means you levitate, you know, and your head spins around and you puke green stuff. That, that's what they say demon possession is. No, demon possession is very simple. If it steals, kills, and destroys, if it drives you to dead places and dark places and self-inflicting, where you inflict pain upon yourself places, where it lets you throw away your youth, whether you throw away your middle years, whether you sell out your purpose and in your intentions and God's designs over your life, whatever it was, she had seven fountainheads that expressed themselves in front of the Lord and there's no record of her ever pulling away to get it together to come back. Now don't get mad at me on Mother's Day, but that's how some of y'all do about church. You come when you're good. And when you ain't good, you pull the blinds and unplug the phone and play country music and stare out the window. I'm not just picking on one kind. I, I'm telling you, I can offend all of you. You just turn the radio on. Pick a channel. It's mental illness set to music. Just pick a channel. But then when we get it all together and me and the wife are getting along or me and the husband are getting along or our kids stop acting crazy, then we come to church. And that's why we've been dysfunctional for a decade. The truth is, we ought to stop living judgmental and let them come in limping and let them come in broken and let them come in frustrated. Yes, it's sin. Yes, that lifestyle is sin. Maybe they're not doing it right, but as long as they're hiding, they're not getting well. And this woman was powerful because she lived demon-possessed in front of Christ. And I want to tell you something. You live in front of him, you won't be long like you are. You live in front of him, you won't be long like you are. Number two, she let God heal her. Not only did she let God see her, she let God heal her. In the same way Lazarus was a testament to the resurrection power of Jesus, Mary was a testament to the power of God to give life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the what? Life. Not only do I bring you back from the dead, I put life into dead places. She was a testament to this. I wonder what it was that opened the door to her oppression, to the buffeting of demons, to the possession where she housed at least seven individual spirits. Was she abandoned? As a child, was she neglected? Was she sexually abused? Did her singleness open the door to promiscuity 
which opened the door to uh, lustful spirits? Did she have a husband who hurt her or physically abused her or betrayed her or abandoned her? Did she dabble in the occult? Did she practice temple prostitution or even drug use? And yes, they had drugs back in those days as well. Whatever it was, it resulted in seven demons who made their home in the labyrinth of her soul. Mary stands as a monument. I don't know how you could miss it. She's a monument to those of us who have made excuse saying, well, some things you just got to live with. One chapter, she's got seven demons residing in the labyrinth of her soul. The next chapter, she is walking with Christ, cure, cured, freed, and well. I'll tell you why she was powerful. She didn't ask for relief. She didn't settle for relief. She got a cure from the Lord. She was cured and healed, altogether healed, to let God heal her. She had to own up to the commonality of her afflictions. This is where some of us stumble. Listen to this verse in our text. Jesus took 12 disciples with him along with some women who he'd healed and from whom he'd cast out evil spirits. Among them, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Susanna, and many others. Now this is going to... Go ahead and take your left shoe off because I'm coming for that last toe on that foot and we're just going to grind it a little bit. Some of us can't be healed because we are so dramatic about the horrible things in our past. I said they're horrible. Some of them are unspeakable. But your temptations and your tragedies are common. And that strips them of that glory that, you know, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. No, nobody. Well, yeah, your wife left you, but you didn't, your wife didn't leave you like mine left. Or you raised kids by your own, but you didn't raise these kids. And when the Bible says our temptations, our tests, our difficulties are common to man, it strips them of that elitist, separate, sympathy-filled, on a podium, separate from others, no one could understand. And the Bible mentions, and there were a crowd of women who followed him, many of them. He had cast out evil spirits. One of the first ways you get healed is you realize you weren't the only one, you weren't the first one, you weren't the last one, and other people were dealt the cards you were dealt, and they built a life out of it, baby. That just frees you. Yes, we've been wounded. Yes, we've done things that should have put our, our experienced things, put our parents away. Yes, we've experienced things we cannot even mention, but it's happened all over the world, and Jesus Christ brought them back and brought them back to life. There's a commonality to your afflictions. It didn't mean they weren't horrible. It didn't mean you didn't think you were going to die. But Mary's life shows you, you had one, he, she would say, you had one thing. I had seven demons fighting for space. And if God could establish me and heal me and put me in my right mind, don't you shortchange him with yourself. I'm going to buy my own CD. This is good. This is good. To let God heal her, she had to be honest about her condition. I would think if I was demon-possessed with seven of them, I'd know it. I'd just submit to you, I'd know it. You at Burger King one day, can I take your order? Yes, you can take more. 
Never mind that. <clears throat> I think it would manifest itself in a couple of places. You know what many of us do? We either overplay our hand or underplay it. Oh, this is just a little thing. This is just a little thing. And when what you need to say is, Father God, I am broken. I am broken. I am shattered. I am under the affliction of demon powers. I can't pull out. I can't get over. I can't make it back. She was honest. I believe, firm conviction, that when she got close enough to recognize Jesus as Messiah, I believe. Scripture doesn't say this. But you look at her life. She wasn't one that hid in the shadows. I believe she said, can I have a word with you? She told him the whole story that led to the open door and the demons entering one after the other after the other. And Jesus said, how many? She said, seven. And Jesus, Messiah, I don't want you to stop with six. I got seven. Bring me out. And you can't come out till you're honest about where you are. You cannot come out. If she'd have said six demons... She'd have walked around with that one hidden down there in the basement. Oh, it got quiet then. To heal her, to let God heal her, she had to be near God. To let God heal her, she had to believe. And to let God heal her, she had to be willing to move on, forget the former days, and create a new identity. This is where others of us struggle. That which has caused us harm is so ingrained in our story that we wouldn't know who we were if God gave us a new day. And I want to tell you the truth. I share many times from this platform what I've been through and where I've been. But that's for your benefit. That ain't for my benefit. Those days are gone. God has gave me a new day. And the sun that shines on my face today was not the sun that shined on my face yesterday. I tell my stories to encourage and to give faith. I believe as she followed the Lord, you'd have to be because there were crazy people back then just like that. Don't think we got the corner on the market. They'd come into town and she's following Jesus and the disciples. Oh, I know that girl. She, I dated her. That one's crazy. That one's crazy. And you know she overheard it, and some would get their babies and move around. And I believe she had something like this. I just want to apologize for all that back, in the, back there, but that's not me no more. Well, I don't, I don't even need to talk about it. I just want you to know that the me you see today ain't the me you knew yesterday. Those that, I'm so sorry. Don't feel sorry for me. Tragedy, turmoil, oppression, failure, Saw all those things happen to everybody. But don't confuse my tomorrow with my yesterday. Don't you confuse it. Watch. I didn't have the deliverance yesterday. So don't confuse my yesterday. Yesterday was bad. But to let God heal her, she had to turn her back on all that. And watch. Oh, I couldn't wait to tell you this. There is no mention of her talking about the demon possession. That's, I'm done. I'm done sleeping around. I'm done with the occult. I'm done with whatever she did. I'm done with being the victim. I'm done with people feeling sorry for me. I know all of that happened. But baby, there's more to me than what's in my rearview mirror. There's something ahead of me that God has for me. So I'm forgetting the things that are behind. And I'm pressing on toward the mark of the high calling of God. 
I love the analogy. We need to remember where we've been, but we need to see where we're going. And I'm glad that my windshield ain't this big. And my rearview mirror, oh, that's why some of y'all are bumping into stuff. Can you see more clearly what you've been through than what God has for you? Oh, that's another sermon. I better. Number three, Mary was powerful because she let God use her. She did not let her past define her. She did not let her past disqualify her. She did not let her past hold her back from the plans God had for her. She did not stumble over what other people would think, what they would say, what they would remember, or what they would have an opinion about. She did not let other people's inconsistency affect her commitment. If you look at her life, there were periods where she was there and other people faltered and failed. But her relationship with Jesus Christ was not contingent upon what somebody else did, thought, or said. She decided for herself, God's going to use me in my life. In a word, listen, Mary showed up. She just showed up. And I'm speaking to mothers in this part right here. Power is not always being on a stage and holding a mic and being seen. There is power in just showing up. When Jesus was being crucified, Mary showed up. At the trial, Mary showed up. Where are the disciples? Well, I, I can't, I don't answer for them, nor are I concerned about them. I must show up. For God to use me, I've got to be consistent. At the tomb, she showed up. At the resurrection, she showed up. After the resurrection, she showed up. When it came time to follow, the text I read to you said that she traveled with them. And gave of her resources. She spent her resources for the furtherance of ministry. And those of you, those of you that call this place home, you know I don't allude to this often. Because people always, they wait years and years for one statement. And then they say, all the church wants is your money. So read my lips. Don't want or need your money. I don't know how to say it any clearer. But there are people that come here all the time. Now I ain't looked at the books in a decade. So I don't know who it is, but I just know it is. They never give to the Lord. They ride the ministry here and partake of it free. And we provide that for you. There's money for everything else. There's just not money to give to the Lord. And here's what I'm telling you. And again, don't need or want your money. When it came time to give to missions... Or to the work of the Lord. Mary showed up. She was one of those silent people. She needed whatever money she had. She wasn't working. I don't know if it had been left to her or what. But she gave her the Lord of her resources. Mary showed up when it was time to follow. She showed up when it was time to give. When following Christ was unpopular and dangerous. At the praetorium when they were accusing him. She showed up. When it came time to weep. Mary showed up. When it came time to persevere, Mary showed up and said in John 20, verse 1, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came unto the tomb while it was still dark. This is just giving you an insight into her character when I talk to you about God using her. Jesus had been crucified. She was there along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and John. She was there. And she was the first one at the tomb. I see a tenacity in there. I see, uh, I'm at the end of the road, and there ain't nothing I can do. 
It's past my ability. It's past my power. I can't see. I don't understand. But I just have come to know him. And I'm not going to give up on God at sealed tombs. Man, God will use people. like She showed up everywhere. First. First to get there. Last to leave. Mary was powerful because she was used in subtle ways. In simple ways. In hidden ways. But in ways that God, God records. What this says is, she used her life not for herself, but for God. She spent her resources not on herself, but for God. Now, did she take care of her needs with her resources? Absolutely. But she was more into God's kingdom than she was her little hobbies. And she invested her life in such. And God uses people like that. What would it look like today? She served the missionettes and the little boys. She gave to missions. She taught Sunday school. She played on the worship team and drove an hour each way for 10 years. She did these things, not to be seen of men, but so God would see it. And God uses available people. One of the things I tell people often when I get to meet them and they ask me parts of my story. I said, I believe the Lord has put me in this city as kind of an enigma, as a little sign. Because there are people in this town that pastor great churches who have forgot more Bible than I know. I was just a drunk in my mid-twenties, shacked up and going to hell just as fast as I could. And he pulled me out of that lifestyle and said, in so many words, So, John, what do you want me to do with me? What do you want me to do with you? You can use me. And I'm telling you, I remember the prayers. I said, I ain't much of nothing. And most people wouldn't give you a dollar for my future. But you can have it. And availability creates opportunity. And visibility, what you see here, that's a small part. God uses people behind the scenes way more than he uses people on the platform. And Mary was powerful because she let God use her. Final thoughts on let God use her. When you're used, you feel used. Think about it. Y'all still ain't got it. Oh, Lord, if you can use anything, use me. We sing this song, take my hands, take my feet, take my wallet. Then he takes your hands, takes your feet, and takes your wallet. And you bake cakes for the uh, beach camp and they eat your cake and still don't thank you. You're watching kids in these little rooms that Jesus wouldn't watch. <laughs> ain't nobody thanking you. Ain't nobody writing you. Nobody saying nothing. And then you go back to prayer. Oh, Lord, I just feel so used. <laughs> That's where the hidden glory comes in. Because people are either going to overestimate you or underestimate your value. And our glory does not come in what we do. It comes in who we do it for. And there are those of you in this room this morning. You wouldn't call yourself this, but God's word will. You're powerful. Because you show up, baby. You show up for your children. You show up for your husband. You show up for your wife. You show up for your church. You show up for lost people. You show up. And that is powerful. Give them a hand. Those people that are that way. Would you honor them this morning? 
she let God comfort her. Mary was powerful because she let God comfort her. We see her in the garden of Gethsemane. I mean, the garden where Jesus was buried in the tomb. And she was very sorrowful and she was weeping. So much so that she didn't recognize the Lord when he spoke to her. But she was looking for Jesus. She's, why do people, why would she come to a tomb that's sealed and it's dark? See, you think dark like Macon, Georgia dark. That ain't dark. Think wilderness, tomb, no street light dark. She comes to the tomb. Oh, by the way, no flashlights, no LED, no iPhone 5S with a flashlight app, none of that. So when it says she went to the tomb while it was dark, what does it mean? It was dark. And don't come up behind me and go, John, because somebody's leaving. Skin up if you do that. So she gets to the tomb dark. Don't you know she went to the tomb of Jesus and felt around that? While it was dark. Looking for the Lord. Weeping. And then Jesus appeared later after the sun had risen. And she's supposing him to be the gardener. Said, just tell me where you laid him. I'll get him. What does that mean? I'll just throw him over my shoulder and walk him back to town before you desecrate his because the tomb's open here. What what passion, what zeal? We don't see the disciples sitting at the tomb, just wanting to sit, wanting to just sit outside the tomb. Now everything's online and you see all the viral videos of the, the, the dog that sits by the fallen soldier's tomb. Okay. Here's, here's this woman in the dark, sitting beside a tomb with her head against the headstone, weeping, weeping. Supposing him to be the gardener, she began to talk to him. He said, just tell me where you laid him and I'll take him away from here. And he said, Jesus said, Mary, nobody said her name like Jesus did. No misconstruing who it was. And she turned and she said, Rabboni, not rabbi, but master of rabbis. You're the rabbi of rabbis. You're, she knew who he was. So, and I hope you don't think I'm reading more into it than it's here, but it's here. At one call of her name, she turned out of her sorrow. She turned out of her sorrow towards the Lord. She let the Lord comfort her. This goes back to what I was saying a moment ago. Some of us aren't healed of the gross sins, and some of us aren't healed of the sorrow. Mary was powerful because every time Jesus called her name, she turned. And this morning, I didn't know who would be here. and We got about half our crowd here today, and I'm happy with it because you ought to be with your mama, and many of them are with their mama. But God knew who would be here, and He's calling your name today. And if you'll turn, He'll comfort you in your sorrow. For those women that don't have their children here today, He'll comfort you in your sorrow. Make days like today make you think about the man that walked out. He'll comfort you in your sorrow. It takes strength to walk out of deep sorrow at just one word. But God does some of His greatest work in the most simplest of ways. When God gets ready to show His power, He, just, he, speak, he reveals Himself. The disciples are on the boat. 
the storm is raging, the boat's filling up with water, and Jesus is walking towards them, and they're thinking he's a ghost, and they're afraid. And he said, it is I. It's me. This is how God heals most of the maladies in our life. He did not change her circumstances. He spoke her name. And if you know that God is with you, that colors everything else. Let me tell you how the Lord works. He's not limited to this, but this is a common way. He doesn't change the situation. He eclipses it with His glory. He eclipses it. Mary. <gasps> that, all the rules changed. So here the disciples are on the boat. Storm is still raging. It is I. Oh, everything changes. Storm's still raging, but Jesus is here. Once you have a Jesus is here, there's power in that. What can't you, trans what can't you transcend? She let Jesus comfort her. Do you find more comfort in self-medication? What do you medicate with? Alcohol? Surrounding yourself with other Christians that says God doesn't mind? And you know good and well what the reasons are for, but many people medicate. Some use drugs. Some use sex. Some use food. Some use success. Let me tell you why Mary was powerful. The Bible doesn't tell her of us of her doing any of that. She just waited on God to speak her name. And when he did. See you can't make God say your name. But when he does. In one moment you can walk out of all that that was there. And she said Rabboni. That was her way of saying I'm ready. I'm coming out with you. She let God limit her. Mary was powerful because she let God limit her. When she saw Jesus, she tried to grab him. And Jesus said, don't touch me, for I'm not yet ascended to my father. Distancing from her the one thing she wanted most. Taking from her the one thing she wanted to keep. Asking of her the thing she least wanted to do, to let him go. So here's Mary who walks in the dark to this tomb, sleeps beside the tomb, sees Jesus. And once she knows it's Jesus, Jesus said, don't touch me. Why? The Bible doesn't tell us why. But everything was written aforetime for our learning and our instruction. So what I see in here is Jesus was all she had. And he said, not now. And he kept it from her. Why would God keep from her the things she wanted most? Why would your womb still be closed? Why would your husband still not come home? Why, why the suffering? Why the anguish? Why would God limit her in this situation? Power is born, is often born in the places where God keeps something from us for a while. But he only does it for greater good. He only does it for greater glory. He only does it for, her eternal purpose, for his eternal purposes. And he only does it with full understanding. He knew she had waited on him. But he had something greater for her than her holding his feet. She was about to be the apostle to the apostles. Before anybody preached the resurrection of Jesus Christ... She was sent to go tell others that he is risen. So it's hard for us to grasp this because when all you want is a child or all you want is a spouse and God says, I have some greater good, our flesh said, there is no greater good. 
And I, I thank the Lord that he pities our frame and he doesn't just throw us out because our longing is so great. I believe she was reaching for him with that look that said, you are all I want in this world. And he said, don't touch me. Is God limiting you today? Are you limited in some area where God hasn't said no maybe, but not now? Or maybe it is no. Mary was powerful because when God said no, she stopped. And power is born not in lack, but in surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If he wants us to have a baby, we're going to have a baby. If he doesn't want us to have a baby, we're not going to have a baby. If he wants to move us, we'll move. If he doesn't want us to move, we won't move. And I've got my wishes, I've got my wants, I've got my prayer list. But if the Lord says not to touch him, I'm not going to touch him. And I am going to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Mary was powerful because she would let God limit her. Now, if you hear that and don't hear this, you're going to miss it. Only God. Don't you let people limit you. Don't you let them limit you with their unbelief and their carnality and their double-mindedness and their uh, shallowness. And my uncle had that and he died. I don't think the Lord, you ought not, you may die too. You just need to walk away from those people filled with unbelief. Let the Lord do the limiting. And outside of that, believe God for anything and everything. She let God commission her. Jesus said, don't touch me. Oh, and when God gives you a no, he always follows it with something he wants you to do. Watch. No, don't touch me. I've not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and your God. Ben, if you'd come please this morning. Her calling was intimately connected to her nearness. I'd never really thought about that till this week, but she was the first herald of the resurrection. I knew it intellectually, but I didn't see it before. She didn't just decide to go and tell the disciples. Jesus said, but go to my disciples and tell them, say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and your God. I have a question for you this morning. Stay with me. Was she the only one that could have told the disciples that Jesus was risen? Or was it that she was the only one at the tomb? Nearness produces miraculous opportunity. Those that are near the Lord, Mama Sheila, can touch the Lord. Those that are near the Lord can hear the Lord. Those that are near the Lord can be comforted by the Lord. Those that are near the Lord can be healed by the Lord. Those that are near the Lord can be used by the Lord. And God sent her. I believe he looked around and said, well... First of all, she was qualified, but there wasn't nobody else to choose from. I believe had it been Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and Mary Magdalene, my belief. He just said, y'all go tell my disciples. But because she was there alone, in her sorrow, near the Lord, the pages of Scripture tell of her legendary status as the first person to proclaim the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you hear me? Her nearness. When God gave her her assignment, she did not remind God of her past. She did not remind God of her limitations, being a woman in that society. She did not remind God of the audience to which he was sending her. 
These, is, these are the disciples, James and John and Peter and Andrew, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, James the son of Altheus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot. I, this crowd, I, who am I to go speak to them? But God did not tell her to convince them. He said, tell them. And ministry opportunities become overwhelming when we substitute success for surrender. He said, just go tell them. Leave the results to me. I'll tell you why Mary was powerful. When no one else heard God commission her, she did. And you're checking to see with other people if God told you to do something. If he told you to open up your home to children with no father, then open up your home. You don't need backup or validation or anybody to confirm it. There was nobody to confirm her commissioning. Some things God tells you one-on-one. I'm going to tell you how powerful she was. When Jesus said go, she said, yes, sir. And she obeyed. And finally this morning, Mary was powerful. Because she let God turn her sadness into joy. I talked to you a moment ago about God comforting her. He said, Mary. And there was comfort. But comfort can be, oh, come here. Hold her. But God gave her more than comfort. He gave her joy. In John 20, verse 18, it tells her, it tells of her telling the disciples, listen. And I, I, don't, I don't try to be like theatrical or animated, but I just submit to you, the woman that would walk in the dark all the way to the tomb and lay against the tomb, there's passion beating in her chest that pulses, that pulses. Tell me where you've taken him. I'll take him away. Ain't nobody with her. No dolly. No nothing. She'd, I'll take him on my shoulders. I'll take him out of here. And when she said, go tell them that I have risen and that I am ascending unto my father and their father. And she come back into town and she saw the disciples. I don't know where she saw them. But I believe it went something like this. Hey! I've seen the Lord! I believe all that sorrow was changed. See, once you see the Lord in your sickness, in your sorrow, in your lostness, in your uh, frustration, everything changes. And she let God turn her sadness into joy. He eclipses it. He eclipses it. There are mothers in this room. And this message is not just for mothers, but applies to us men as well. But I want to make an appeal to you. If we compare ourselves amongst ourselves, we get false readings. You know, when you're single... uh, you compare wardrobes and haircuts. And when you're married, you compare spouses and houses. And then when you have kids, you compare, compare kids. And my kid's on the honor roll. And you put your bumper sticker on there and say, my kid could kick your kid's butt. And you put that bumper sticker on there. And always comparing ourselves amongst ourselves. And if I compare to you and you're not doing so well, I have this inflated sense of pride. And if I compare myself to someone that's successful, I feel diminished. And comparing yourself with one another almost always leads to error. So I'm not asking you this morning, are you beautiful? I'm not asking you what your kid's GPA is. I'm not asking you what side of town you live on. Or what's the brand in the back of most of your clothes in your closet. I'm not asking you what's your favorite season. I'm not asking you who your best friends are. 
what makes you laugh or what makes you cry. I'm asking you, are you powerful? Has God healed you? Has God comforted you? Has God restored you? Do you show up? Do you make it happen? Are you behind the scenes actively working out the grace of God in your life? Do you let him not just comfort you, but have you let him bring joy to your life? I think I'd rather be powerful than powerful. I think I'd just rather be one like Mary Magdalene that is just tucked away in there in just a little bit. And it says, and Jesus went throughout all these towns preaching the good news with his disciples. And there was a group of people, one of which had come from a long way back. Seven demons and she spent her life making Jesus' name known. I'd love to tell you I know where to go from here, but that's all I got. <laughs> so would you just bow your heads with me and dialogue with the Lord where you are? Don't let me waste a word like this and us just not respond. Talk to Him. Not meditate, just out loud, just loud enough for you to hear. Say, Lord, I just come before you today. And I want you to see me as I am. I don't want to hide from you no more. I don't want my voids to be hidden from you. My double lifestyle to be hidden from you. I don't want to hide from you no more. There's some today, God, I got it bad. I, it's as if my life is controlled by demon powers. But I, I just come before you today. And I know if you see me, then you can heal me. I want to own it up. Let you know where I'm at. I want you to heal me and use me. You can use me, Lord. I hear that in my spirit. Someone saying, you can use me. You can use me up if you want, Lord. For your glory. For your glory. For your glory. Church family, would you look this way? I just want to say this in faith. I believe there's going to come incredible fruit from this message. Our CDs and DVDs are available for $1. Maybe you got a friend you need to send this to. Said, I'm just thinking of you and I believe in you. And let's get the word out on this. And before we go, and I know this excludes people and their people today, that Mother's Day is hard. For me, Father's Day is it's very hard and now it's very beautiful. And so there are days with mixed feelings. But I also know the character of the people, the, the, the ladies here that are hurting today. They wouldn't want to deprive you of a time with your family either. If you have a mother here, because uh, it's very hard to get to the rose, would you just, a mother or a mother figure, someone that that voice in your life, would you just take them by the hand and we're going to find places on the outside of these, this building and just go and walk with them and pray. Would you, we're going to pray in just a moment. Would you do that? Just take your mom and say, come on, mom, we're going. And find a place. It'll take a moment. We can get there. Someone that is that voice to you. 
Ben, you can go get with your wife if you like. Yeah. Just find a place. Children, if you are young people, if you're in the room and your mom is here, I want you to go find them. And you can spread out anywhere. We just want you to have space to be with your spouses and your, uh, with your mom.